Geek Nerdery. Player one, press start to play. Scrolling backgrounds, graphics in 64 colors, digital sounds, and light phasers. And you can add to the excitement with sports pads, control sticks, and the first video games ever in 3D. Sega's the one. The Sega Master System. The challenge will always be there. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode number 47 of Graveyard Duck Podcast. With you, as always, my name is Scott. And I'm Wes. And I am lurking in the background. <laughs> and uh i'm noah from uh, the midnight drive-in someone someone broke into our feed wes that's good we've been hacked it's about time <laughs> hopefully that'll allow us to like trick the algorithm somehow wait but does this does this mean that if noah's on the show we don't have any listeners this week oh crap um <laughs> we didn't you think log this into through. another computer and uh and just listen real quick maybe if we all download it afterwards then we can you know trick the internet there you go Okay. I was going to say, I'd I'd like to say it was my my wiles and superior intellect that got me through your security, but using the Konami code as your password was a bad idea. (laughs) Damn it. I told you about that. I told you you should have just said ABBA. (laughs) But Wes said it would get us 30 free episodes. Yeah, it didn't really happen, did it? No. Darn it. Speaking of which, I got to pay for our domain again. That's due. (laughs) We got to pay for this show? Yeah. I pay 15 bucks a year for this. Oh, that's totally not worth it. (laughs) (laughs) I've been had. (laughs) We should just go back to recording this on audio cassettes and just handing them out at parties. (laughs) Wait, you get invited to parties? No, no, I just show up and I just hand out cassettes and then I leave. All right. Well, Noah, what are you doing here this week? Why why are you on our show? Uh, I am here to talk about the the wonderful game uh, Kinsiden from the Sega Master System. Okay. So yeah, as our, you know, ever growing listener base has, you know, sent in requests, we've decided that every now and then we need to actually do those requests and not be selfish and always hog the mics. So yeah, this was one that you had requested a while ago and we're uh, finally getting around to it. And we thought, sorry about that. Why not bring you on the show to, to talk about this game that you apparently love so much, or maybe you're trolling us. We don't know. No, no, I really, it's, uh, so, so whenever I was a child, what I really, really wanted more than anything in the world was a Nintendo. Uh, but my family didn't have Nintendo money, so they got me a Sega Master System. That's all right. And I do believe, if I remember correctly, Kinsiden was the third game I ever had. Nice. Okay. The first two being the double disc of uh, Outrun and Safari Hunt. Oh, uh, and, hang on. Oh, yeah, yeah, hang on. And yeah. then... Uh, uh, what was the other one called? Uh, I can remember it because it's got that weird cover that looks like Dragon Ball Z. K- uh, Kid Cloud? Is that what it's called? It's like uh, a side scroller where you're a little orange dude on top of a cloud and kind of move up and down and shoot uh, to the side. You're talking about Alex Kid? No, it wasn't Alex the Kid. I'm pretty sure it's called Kid Cloud. I could be wrong. Hmm. I'm going to have to look this one up now. Or Kid, Kid Nimbus? Uh, that might be right. That sounds more cloud-like. Uh, I'm going to assume that's wow. it. Let's just go with that. I don't know. I'll send you guys a picture of the cover. It does yeah. look it looks like a Dragon Ball Z game, but it's not. Okay. It's like Dragon Power for the NES. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> All right. So yeah, you had the Sega Master System growing up. Did, were you were you a fan of it or was it one of these kind of like grandma bought me this and what I really wanted is Nintendo and I just kind of dealt with this, or did you end up falling in love with the system and actually really liking it? I well, I don't believe I've ever come across a, a home console that I just absolutely hated but i mean the master system i i the i think it suffered from something and that was because it wasn't as popular as like nintendo or i really think it i mean even atari kind of kicked its butt even though 
Atari was technically like a, a lesser system, you know, that had been out for a while when this came out. Well, yeah, sure. the, the 7800 was around about this time. Yeah, the uh, the popularity of the Master System hurt game output a lot. You know, they did have ports and clones from other systems, but they it just didn't have the, uh, you know, it didn't have Mario. Right, <laughs> yeah, right. You know, or, yeah, or well, it had it, Alex it, Kidd. It, it didn't <laughs> have Alex Kidd. And, you know, for in the era that this was out, which... Yeah, at least here in the north in North America, it was like eighty six to ninety two is the listed lifespan of the master system. Although interesting, it's listing the worldwide lifespan is eighty five to present. Um, it, no, that's totally true. I mean, we can I can get into that later. Okay, it's it's fascinating actually. Um, please, but please, like, please so tell me that there's still games coming out for the master system because that's amazing. Uh, there were as of a couple of years ago. Yeah, pretty sure. Huh. But yeah, so when you think, you know, of this era, 86 to 92, like that was back in the day that it wasn't just like, oh, people love video games. It's like, no, people love Nintendo. And I I think, no, what you're saying is exactly right, that if it didn't have Mario, it was kind of hard to sell it. And I had one friend growing up that had a master system. And even then, like, we didn't play it. Like, it wasn't a... Oh, we went over to his house. It's like, oh, this is neat and different. Let's play it. It was kind of like, oh, look at that thing. Okay, you want to go outside? <laughs> <laughs> right. I see. It was totally different for me. I had I had two friends I knew that had a master system. Uh, one of them grew up in my neighborhood. And we played like quartet and some other games. But then uh, my buddy Dave, who actually uh, composed the theme song for our show, uh, he had a master system. And uh, one of the first times that that I went over to his house and hung out, he had Double Dragon. And at the time, the Master System Double Dragon was two-player simultaneous. I was like, whoa, you know, two people can play at the same time, which is really cool. So um, so we played that, and he also had ALF, which is not a good game at all. But uh, <laughs> if you're ever curious... What? Um, a licensed property game not living up to expectations? Well, let me put it this way. The first level, uh, you get a salami out of the fridge, and you see rats with a salami in the basement. So. Uh, if that tells you anything of the quality of the game, mm. you had you had me at salami, right? Had you beating rats in the basement? I mean, I was just thinking of Krusty's Funhouse, which is hella fun. So, right, that sounds like the name of a bad strip club. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> like, bring your own drinks to Krusty's Funhouse. You know, dollar dances. Oh, it's disgusting. Uh, I was there for an hour and got tuberculosis. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, so Ken Saden came out in Japan in June of 88, Europe also 88, North America December 88, uh, New Year's Eve, actually. Hmm. Um, so there you go. So what's a Christmas present for you there, Noah? I do believe I got it for my birthday that following. Hmm. Nice. So um, yeah, I'll kind of set up a little bit of what this game is about, and then from there I'm probably going to drop out of the call because... I don't know how much I have to contribute this week. <laughs> so um, basically the, I mean, my, my backstory as far as any sort of nostalgia that I have for this is I, I obviously have not played this until it was announced for the show. Hmm. Um, I did track down a copy to play it enough. And the, the two things that I will say, one positive and one, I guess, neutral, not negative. Uh, the positive thing is this game looks amazing. Mm-hmm. Um especially for something that's as old as it is. Like I I have pretty limited exposure to the master system, but it's not one that I ever thought like, Ooh, is super well known for its graphics, but this game really, really looks good. Mm-hmm. Um, it plays smooth. The character scrolling is good. The backgrounds are colorful. Uh, it's and the bosses I think are all really neat. So it's, it, it's a good looking game. Um, the other comment on the other side of that is this game is hard as balls. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. And, and and we will get into that because there's there's kind of a secret to it. Okay. Um, so, you know, it, this is the kind of game, if you listen to the show, you know that I love. I, I really enjoy those just frustratingly difficult platformers. And I really like to, you know, give up some time and get really good at it. Uh, two weeks was not enough to do that with this game. So um, oh. needless to say, I think I saw the first boss or two and 
that's about where my journey through Japan ended. Um, really? But yeah, so this, I don't have a whole lot to contribute in terms of what some of the content was. I did watch some long plays to see kind of what the rest of the game looked like, um, mm. especially considering my favorite part was the way it looked. That was a fun way to spend my time. So, mm. but yeah, the, the general concept is it's mostly you know, an action platformer, think kind of Ninja Gaiden-esque. Um, I would say with, Ninja Gaiden with a mix of Castlevania. Yeah, maybe Castlevania too. Yeah, because yeah. there, there's a lot of like branching paths. There's villages, like the, the, the stages, it's like a map of Japan and mm-hmm. you kind of go from territory to territory and you can, you know, choose which one you want to go to at different points. And even within some of the stages, it's not purely linear. There's like, doors you can go in and that kind of takes a branching path through the stage uh there are some power-ups that you can find but for the most part it's just a pretty straight swing your sword at a bunch of weird ghouls and demon things and um try not to die um but yeah that that's the general gist of it so if you like ninjas and feudal japan and platformers then by all means go for it um it's this game is actually kind of similar to there's a Famicom game called Getsu Fumiden that's very similar where it's got um, kind of the same same vein like it's a side scroller with um, uh, like a samurai ghost kind of character but it has an overworld map kind of like uh, Zelda two almost and you go into different um, areas but it, it plays very similar to this oh I've played that that's a great game yeah yeah it's the one maybe we talked about it before it's the one that uses the um, graphical engine of the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game. Yes, I think we might yeah, have covered it think, a long time ago. Yeah. So anyway, that's that's kind of the general setup and what to expect. Um, from there, I'll, I'll kind of let you guys take over and I guess start with Wes. Do you have any nostalgia for this game or did you play it before this episode? Uh, I did, actually. I, I bought this. Uh, I bought a copy of this from uh, my local Mega Replay um, maybe a year or two ago. And it's it's very rare that they get um, box master system games in there. In fact, it's it's pretty rare to find Sega Master System stuff in general. And I've collected it for quite a long time. Just um, it's a, a system that you know I've always kind of been intrigued by because it's sort of you know like we said the kind of the anti Nintendo, but um, you know the games on on the Master System are just different. And they seem to be a little bit more hardcore, in fact, like as far as the difficulty is concerned. But um, I think what really did it for me for picking this game up is this is one of the only Master System games that the box art is actually decent and doesn't look like it was drawn in like five minutes on at the end of a Friday. <laughs> With <know>? MS Paint. <laughs> yeah, if you look at like the covers for like Black Belt or Pro Wrestling, you know, pretty much any Master System game, uh, which is one of the reasons why it didn't do well. If if you can find the alternate one, the uh, the gold cartridge box, it's way cooler looking. Oh yeah, that's the the Japanese version, the mm-hmm. the Mark III version. It's really cool looking. I think I saw the I had a picture of this online. Yeah, except the the dude is like blonde haired. Yeah, that was one of the things I was reading about the like regional differences because this was also mm-hmm. released in Korea. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, and the map's different. It's yeah, they Korean changed map. Yeah. the map yep. to a map of Korea and made him look more Korean. But mm-hmm. then, yeah, in the Japanese version, he's blonde, and in the Western, he's got black hair. Yeah. Except at the yeah. ending, when you finish the game, he's back to being blonde in the game. <laughs> right. Yep. So, Japanese yeah, I picked this magic. game up uh, about a year ago, and uh, I've been playing it here and there. So I have some nostalgia for it, but it's really damn good. Right. If if not really, really difficult whenever you first start to try to get oh, yeah. into it. I honestly, I didn't think it was that bad after I started playing it for a while and I got used to it. Um, there's, I haven't beat the game. I got to the final boss. Um, I played probably about eight or 10 times on the final boss. I think I got the pattern down, but I just haven't got to actually go through it yet. But uh, Right. And there's kind of, there is a trick to beating that boss, which we can kind of. Okay. Into. So Noah, what's, uh, what's some of your nostalgia then for Inside In? Well, I, I remember whenever I was young and I first got the game, it uh, it was awesome because, man, it's got a great soundtrack to it. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it kind of gets you ramped up in the idea of you kind of have to pick and choose which way you go. Um, and I think it's it's got this brilliant thing. And some, some modern games have it. There's like this Japanese attitude of uh, 
punishing failure and rewarding like perfection. Mm-hmm. And I think Kinsaiden does that. Like, oh, absolutely. Because if you can tolerate it and you can look past like why something's going to be more difficult if you do it that way and just do it anyway and can beat it, the game like rewards you for doing that over and mm. over and over again. Mm-hmm. What, do you, what do you mean by that? Give me an example. Okay, so uh, it actually behooves you to beat the final boss to have actually beaten every level in the game rather than getting to the final boss as quick as you can. And especially, I, I don't know, you said you only got to one of the first few bosses. Did you ever get to one of the training levels? I don't remember that. I, I think I was at the like the big fire wheel in the sky. That That's the first boss, yeah. At the first one? I think so, yeah. The, uh, what is that? Get the manual up here. Um, that is the, yeah, the fire wheel warlock. Okay. Oh, I guess he's the first boss, but he's in the second yeah. level. Yeah, he's in the second yeah, level. Yeah. 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 Oh, okay. Yeah. So I, I got around there. Yeah. So like, um, I'm, I'm it's, it's, uh, I'll kind of jump around because it, it, there's a few different ones you really, really need to hit. But like, like I said, all of them are better. So the, the katanas that you pick up in the game that don't seem to do anything other than unlock the doors, uh, those are actually power ups that make your attacks a little bit stronger. And, and it's almost imperceivable unless you get a lot of them. Okay. And, and then it'll actually reduce the amount of hits it takes. Because once you get to those final levels and you're fighting those things that take five and six hits to ki- kill all of a sudden, that turns into a nightmare if you don't oh, yeah. have those. Then at the very beginning, so after you beat the fire wheel, you have this choice of going north to kind of the weird skull fire level or going south to the island that doesn't actually have any exit. So basically, you're going down there, going to have to beat two levels and then backtrack. That boss, the giant with the club, is a freaking nightmare if you don't know how to beat him, because his weak spot is one of the most cleverly hidden weak spots I've ever seen in a video game. It's it's yeah. his, his right leg is his weak spot, so you have to wait till he takes a step and crosses his legs to hit him. Oh my god! Yep, yep. <laughs> yeah, it, I noticed that when I was playing because that was the one boss outside of the final one that was the one that was giving me so much trouble. Right, right, because it, it feels like it's random. Like you're just missing the yeah. hitbox for some reason. Right, like you would swing like four or five times, and then like he flinches. Like, oh, then I damaged him. Yeah, yeah. you would almost think if, especially given a game of this age, like I would probably have just assumed that that was a programming error. Mm-mm. No, yeah. huh? That's that's really clever. Here's yeah, the thing, really, like, really, is. Like a, it's it, that stuff's hardcore. Like, it's designed like to a point, almost. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. And and then it's kind of funny because so for as difficult as let's you know the giant with the club boss or uh, the final boss or even I'm trying to remember what people I think they call it the maggot fly, the one that kind of flies back and forth and craps out the little blue things. Yep. Uh, those those three bosses are so freaking hard. And then there are other bosses like the uh, the big flaming skull warlock mm. that are ridiculously easy to beat. Like it's a joke, and and yeah. he's way into it. And all of a sudden, you're like, "Well, I just destroyed that boss." <laughs> like, see that one? The skull one gave me a little bit of trouble because it it tends to like break apart into the little skulls, right? And so like I would I would constantly be slashing at those until they would disappear, but I would still lose health. Like I couldn't find a good spot to. Right. And not take damage. And and so once again, there's kind of a there's a secret to that. And that is pretty much every boss, every actual boss that you beat unlocks a new move. Mm-hmm. And so like the giant gives you this overhand slash that makes the game far easier if you have the overhand slash. And then the mm-hmm. I do believe it's the maggot fly gives you the what's called the helm breaker, which is where you can jump and do that overhand slash. And okay. Oh yeah, I did kill that's the firewheel because that's I remember seeing that where he's like, "Now you can jump high." Or, yeah, you got the high yeah, jump. yeah, yeah. You yeah. learn high jump. Thou canst now jump high. Yep, yep. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I love those descriptions. The, the helm smasher is the best one. It's like, "Thou hast learned to smash the helmet of thy enemy." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's the other one? The um, it was like, "Thou hast learned to slash like a barbarian" or something like that. Oh, right, 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 right. And all you do is you just hold up and you got you just randomly slash like like a crazy yeah. person. Yeah, you like, run <laughs> and you just flail your sword back and forth. Yeah, yeah. Run. It's really funny. Like it's not much of a barbarian move, but uh, you know, I guess whatever. 
Right. Just, and just, and it's, it's one of the hardest moves to get to because it's like all the way on the other side of the map. You basically have to go around the final boss level to get it. Yeah. Okay. I haven't seen that at, that move, but I'm just picturing like the Yatsutsuna or something from Symphony of the Night. Like, <laughs> kind of. Yeah. I mean, you're yeah. just you just running forward, slashing at everything in front of you. Huh. Right. So so picking up the moves that that's the first thing. So certain bosses are so much easier to beat as long as you've picked up those moves. Like the the two headed dragon boss. Once you have that overhand slash, it's real easy just to beat the holy tar out of it and beat yeah. it real fast. You know, it's funny how there are games that have that kind of same mechanic where you're right. Like if you get a certain combo or learn a certain pattern, and it's not even necessarily a pattern, but like there's just certain tricks like that that just make things so much easier. And like I think back to you know the original Castlevania on NES. It's one of those things like when I get to the fifth stage, you know, with the Grim Reaper. If I can manage to get my triple shot holy water, I can smoke him. If not, hmm. I may as well just quit <laughs> because right, like, right. that's the one thing that I can, you know, almost one shot him without him ever even pulling up one of those sides. But otherwise, like, yeah, there's just there's not a point. And see, for me, with that boss in Castlevania, if I didn't if I didn't carry the axe all the way through, I was never any good with anything else. Like I would, I would stand in the center of the room and just fire axes up at him, and that would take care of any sights that were overhead, you know. But if I missed it by like one and I died, then I couldn't get the axe again. Yeah, yeah. There's one spot like when he first comes down that basically, if you already have a holy water burning when he runs into it, it'll stun him, and then you can just keep triple shotting him there, and he never makes it down to where he can start throwing shit at you. Nice. But anyway, Ken Sidon, huh? Right. Uh, <laughs> right. And, th and then so so I brought up the training levels. So so spread throughout um, Japan, there are four levels that are, seem odd. Like you run up the staircase. They all look the exact same. You run up a staircase to a second level and a guy says, here, you must train or something like that. Mm. And and those levels function differently than other levels. Like so in, in the normal levels, you can backtrack and these you cannot. Once you move forward, you're kind of stuck and can't back up. Uh, there are also typically just arrows shooting at you and jumping from platforms and then some spiky trappy type things that you have to deal with. And there's even the easy one. It's pretty hard. <laughs> like, Oh yeah. Well, it's, it, it's like, you know, if you get hit once, then you're, you're sent back. Yeah. Right. It throws you out and you have to start all over again. Yeah. But, you lose yeah. like a tiny bit of health. Yep. It takes away one little sliver of health. So it's, it's worth, you know, going at it again and again and again. And once and once again, I Kinsiden rewards perfection. So mm. the only way to beat those levels is you basically have to know where every single arrow is coming from the entire level. Because uh -huh. half of them you're having to knock the arrows out of the air as you're jumping up or down or, you know, every once in a while you have to like high jump and go over an arrow that's going to come underneath you and then land and then hit an arrow in front of you and then spin around and hit the arrow that's coming from behind you. And yeah. And I noticed you have to hit the arrows at a certain point in your jump, too. Right. Because if you missed it, if you were too high or too low, you're still going to get hit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so those four training levels, if you stick with them and beat them, two of them upgrade your health bar. One upgrades it a little bit, and the other one upgrades it significantly. And it's, it's more than double if you get both of them. Mm. And then the other two... <laughs> give you amulets and, and one of the other things i like about this game is it doesn't ever like explain anything to you is it, it like you got a new move and figure it out <laughs> yeah <laughs> yep. consult the manual yeah consult the manual and so the the two amulets there's a red one and a blue one and they effectively are like shields they reduce the amount of damage you take so if you get both of them and both health upgrades, you can afford to take way more damage in the levels than you can mm. if you don't have them. And uh, the the final boss, which you were talking about, is a freaking nightmare. Yeah. Because while his pattern's pretty predictable, there are also like rocks falling out of the sky that you cannot avoid. It's it's impossible. You're never, ever, ever going to play that level and not get smacked with a rock. <laughs> but if you have all of those health upgrades and all of those 
you know, amulets and you have the jumping overhand slash, which does the most possible jumping damage you can. You pretty much just stand in front of him, dance back and forth and just keep jumping and whacking him in the head. And you can afford to take all the damage in the world. Really? Yeah. Okay. I will have to try that because I actually found when I got to the final boss, um, the I found that those little energy balls or whatever that he kicks out, you know, they the first ones I think come they go from the right side to the left side and then they drop down. And right. I think then they then they go on the opposite side. But I found if you um Oh, see, so you're you're talking about the fireball wizard. So he's yeah. not he's not actually the final boss. Oh shit. Okay. Okay. There, there, you have to fight another boss immediately after beating that one. Oh man. All right. Because yeah. I, I spent like I don't know how many retries I did on on that boss. I'm like, this has got to be the final boss. Like it's totally, you know, everything's going super fast and like high damage. I totally thought that's the final boss. Yeah, right. and that one was interesting. Again, I, I watched the the long play. I didn't actually do it, but like I thought that was really cool to watch that play through and, you know, no spoiler, but like you don't damage him by hitting him. It's by killing no, you have to, the projectiles. Yeah, you have to hit the projectiles. Yeah, that that's that's an interesting kind of like secret weak point again, I, I guess. Yeah, yeah right. I it's, an, it's an entirely you, defensive fight. Yeah. yeah. If you jump up and hit them before they drop down onto the ground, you'll you'll destroy them in one hit. But then as they start bouncing back and forth, it takes like four or five hits to kill each one of them. Right. And and once again, that's not entirely true if you've taken the time and went to every level and got the katanas out of every single level. Okay. Cuz then okay. it's it's increasing. Once again, the the game doesn't bother to explain to you that that's what that does, but it, hmm. but all the like I said, beating more of the game uh cranks up your power and and then the game has one really 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 nasty secret to it. Hmm. And that is if you die and you've collected a uh, diary item, you can continue. So if you have the diary continuing, you know, puts you to the last level, it's not a big deal. It doesn't hurt you. There's also a cheat code to continue. Mm -hmm. If you use the cheat code, it erases all of the upgrades you have collected in the game. It punishes you for cheating. Yeah, I found huh. that out. And it only lets you continue like three times. Right. Yeah, the, the manual says... There's a continue mode on the game over screen. Press D button up, up, down, down, and button two. Mm -hmm. Is that the one that takes away all your stuff? Yeah. 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 If you use the continue code, you lose. And you can go back and recollect it all. But, you know, eff effectively, you're restarting the game if you do yeah. that anyway. Why would you then? I also love that the instruction manual hints at the fact that there is a stage select code, but doesn't tell you what it was. Nope. They don't tell you. <laughs> You know, it's funny. I looked through because um, I downloaded um, uh, the Sega newsletters, like the, the pre Sega Visions magazines. And I thought, well, for sure, like, you know, there'd be some hints and tips in there. There's nothing in any of the issues about Kentiden at all. Really? So apparently they allude to, you know, this secret code that they didn't publish at all. It's, I mean, it's on the internet now, but I mean, if you could imagine like in 1988 or 89 playing this game. Right. And like, I mean, nobody covered Master System stuff at then, you know, which was kind of sad. But around here, it's just if you knew of a stage select, but nobody ever told you, that would just be like super frustrating. Yeah, I I like to look at the um, website Cutting Room Floor just to see, you know, for every game we do for this, just to see if there's like regional differences or sprites or things that weren't used. And if you look that up for this game, the only thing that it shows you is the stage select screen. Yep. Or code, <laughs> which is weird because there there are significant differences between the the regional versions and stuff right. listed there. Yeah, we just talked about them, and yeah. like, nothing is listed other than hold one, two, and power on the system. And yeah, right, to... right. that's weird. There is one other difference though, and I posted this on the um, Facebook group a little bit ago. But um, something that's pretty cool in uh, in Japan, the the master system that was known as the Mark III had a um, an add-on, which was an FM uh, synthesizer, an FM sound unit. Basically, um, it had the same chip that would later be used in the Sega Genesis. So it effectively made a lot of the games sound different. And uh, Kensaiden was one of the games that supported the FM sound unit. So um, if you take a look, you can uh, watch this video and it'll 
you'll hear the difference in the FM sound and it sounds awesome, I think. Um, totally different because like a lot of Master System games, they use um, like a, I forget what they call it, like a programmable wave type um, sound system. So everything sounds like kind of, you know, just your typical computer beeps and bloops and whatever. But when you start listening to the FM sound, like on this and um, Fantasy Star has it and several other games, like it sounds amazing. So I was blown away when I listened to that. Hmm. Yeah. So you have to check it out. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. And like I said, it's a great game to have it on because, man, that Consignment soundtrack's real cool. Yeah. And this, is, I will say, this is like one of the best Master System games, I think. Oh, yeah. It's, it's so funny because I always compare it to there's another uh, Kung Fu inspired uh master system game that's called black belt yeah and yeah black belt looks like hot garbage if you put it up <laughs> next to this game <laughs> yeah but, you know black belt is actually just a fist of the north star game is it that's yeah awesome. so the japanese version was an actual licensed fist of the north star where you know you would literally you know punch them the heads explode all that stuff and then it just they brought it over here and they just called it black belt and they just put a gi on the character and called it a day, which is weird. So man, I love those ports. They do yeah. some weird stuff. There's a, <laughs> there's a lot of them like exploring the master system library. Like there's a lot of weird regional changes to games, which is just, just kind of interesting. So I want to take a minute to talk about what might be my favorite part of this game. And that's pages 13 through 15 of the instruction manual. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, these monsters are fucking horrifying. <laughs> like, Dude, and that's what's great. Like, the art on these, is, it's amazing. I mean, some of them are humorous. Like, the skeleton, like, that's that looks like it should be made out of cardboard and hanging on my front door on Halloween. Mm -hmm. But then there's, there's the urchin, which, I mean, kind of looks like some weird muscular Pokemon with a clam for a face. <laughs> like, it it yeah. looks like a, like a toy that you would get at Big Lots. Kind of, like yeah, some, like a like, wrestler, like yeah, or like some off-brand Ninja Turtles figure, yeah, like <laughs> <laughs> like Muscle Man that you left out in the sun, right? <laughs> but <laughs> kind of looks like I, I don't know. I'd probably call him Clam Man. I don't know because it looks like yeah. he's got a clam head. I don't know. But then, like the puppet and Puppet Master, like they're both cute and look like they want to eat your face at the same time. Mm -hmm. and, um, they're, and they're a freaking nightmare. Right, those those things are so freaking annoying because they're then, um, they're like throwing the is it they're throwing the puppets at you? Yeah, is that right? Yeah. But then scroll down a page and um, oh yeah, what the hell the harlot lizard? Like I saw that in the game and I'm just like I don't know what mm -hmm. I'm looking at, but you see the picture and it's like, good lord, like that's if the ring had a nightmare, like. Kind of. <laughs> Well, the look at the uh, the one underneath that, the child scarer. Yeah, yeah. Who, who are... names a monster? Like, so here's a perfect. Hey, hey Japanese people, man. But here's <laughs> a perfect example of Sega culture versus Nintendo culture. Because do you think in the mid '80s they would have had a character in a Nintendo instruction book called the Child Scarer? Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> no, they were. I mean, they were so anti, you know, religious iconography or anything like scary at all no there's no way it would oh be called God. that yeah this harlot lizard it's like a blind newt with a female face like samara's face for a tail like i i don't know how to describe it but i know i'm gonna dream about it tonight like <laughs> hideous faced snake like that's pretty self-explanatory <laughs> but it's, it's also pretty cool though because like in a way like this these monsters sort of they kind of encapsulate the the feel of that Edo era Japan fantasy era. You know what I mean? Like um, you look at page 15 with the um, hideous face snake and the one eyed blinder and stuff like that. Like, uh, you know, these are, are very like iconic monster designs for a lot of classic Japanese games. Definitely. Yeah. You know, and, and, it, and what I give it a lot of credit for too, is that if you are going to make a game about fighting demons like why not make the demons scary and demonic because mm -hmm. so often they're not they're cartoony or you know whatever it's like so here back in the early 80s like they did it right 
yeah and uh and the way that they like pop out and generate as you play especially getting toward the the latter levels man i remember being a little kid and and it's got that real intense stressful music and you're you're all ramped up by the time you get that far into the game because once again until you until you know all the little tips and tricks this game gets real hard oh yeah but you'll take a step and all of a sudden man one of them just pops out of nowhere and it's like running at you full speed and you're like no yep yep <laughs> i don't know how many times like i would go to enter a door in the um uh, in the castles and like that one eye blinder would just drop down, you know, and then, or like trying to jump over a pit and something would just fly up at you and potentially knock you in there. Oh yeah. That that's something we probably should bring up too. So the uh, it's, the game's also very unforgiving in the fact that, you know, most games you have that second of invulnerability after a hit in mm. Sidens is so short. And if you get caught between two bad guys, they will just juggle you to death between the two of them. Yep. <laughs> yep. Like Night at the Roxbury style. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's it's real bad. Or if there's a staircase, like you get hit and you're like, oh, 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 mm-hmm. oh, hit. Yep. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Happens a lot. Yeah. Well, no, I'm glad that you've, you know, made it through the trauma that the, this game has inflicted on you and you're able to laugh about it now. <laughs> right. Right. I did find a couple of secrets in this game, though. Um, did you guys know that uh, in the uh, the temples on the um, the statues that if you jump up on the statue's head and press up, there's secret rooms? Uh, there are. And in the the one of the other temples, it's actually like a warp. It'll warp you pretty close to the end of the level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just kind of stumbled upon that. Like, I was like, oh, let's see if I can jump up here and you know, whatever. And then like, I was trying to do the high jump and all of a sudden, like I, it took me to like this different area. I was like, Oh, wait a second. Like went back, tried again. Like, that's pretty cool. Like I didn't see that anywhere in the manual at all. Yeah. It doesn't tell you. And then in the, uh, the fire level, if you follow Alex, the kid, Mm -hmm. which that's, that's cleverly hidden. I really, I've always, yeah, that was a cool cameo. Uh, in that room you do, it's pretty easy. Like it's just a quick little jumping game to get across and you get the, I think they call it the medicine box. Mm-hmm. And the medicine box is one of the best items in the game. Un- unfortunately, it can only be got in that one spot, in that one level, all the way at the beginning of the game. So if you, there was, you, No, there was, there was one more. Was uh, there? See, I can't remember yeah. there ever being another one. No, there was one more later in one of the... Um, uh, it was one of the levels where you're going through the... Um, uh, like the really ornate doors and there's like um, it's like a, a one level castle almost. I don't remember okay, yeah, where it was. Yeah, yeah. 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 But, but losing have having it makes your life a lot easier, but losing it is very depressing. Yeah. It's like, Oh man. Yep. I don't want to say if you, if you waste it like on like one random, you know, flying enemy that hits you or something, it's like, ah, oh, crap. Well, there goes that. Then once again, I, I know as a kid, the few times I managed to actually all the way beat the game, if you can't make it to that final boss with that medicine kit on you, it's real hard. Mm. <laughs> and unless unless you have all of the upgrades from the training levels. But once again, those will just about give you a panic attack <laughs> before you get through all of them. So talk about some of the other like special items here. I'm looking through the book and there's several that you have mentioned, but a couple of these other things like the gourd of life says it restores strength. Is that just like giving you more health back? Yeah. It's just like a healing item. Wooden doll gives you an extra life. The diaries Mm -hmm. let you continue. Um, Secret scrolls are those the ones that you were saying, like that's kind of the whole object of the game is to find the five scrolls. Is it? Yeah. Those those are your boss. Mm -hmm. And, it's like the five scrolls and then the, the last boss. So if you circle, if instead of going to the last level, you circle around it and go to the level that's kind of like behind it. You have to beat three levels to get to that level. You get, I, I think it's called the dragon sword, which is one of the parts of the game. You know, these evil warlocks have stolen it. And that one is a significant upgrade to your damage, mm. which once again, for that last, that last boss fight, Having to beat two of these real difficult bosses in a row, you have to have it. Yeah, I'm excited to see what the final boss is. I thought I was at the final one. But... <laughs> right. I, I can I can tell you this. If you get if you get to the final boss, 
and you didn't go get the helm smasher move, the the jumping slash, uh-huh. you are boned. <laughs> <laughs> you are not you are not winning that fight. You have a bad time. Yeah. So in a yeah, way, I they mean, kind of punish you for speedrunning it too. Then, like if you were yeah. straight through without getting any power ups, there's no way you can beat the final boss. Then. Yeah. Right. The, lo- the long play I watched, I think, was maybe about 30 minutes. Um, it was funny watching it because, you know, at, at first I'm like, okay, this guy's doing way better than I was. Cause obviously I sucked at it. And, you know, it was, it was your typical kind of long play speed run thing where they took very minimal damage. I don't know if it was, uh, you know, save state assisted or not, but regardless, you know, it was basically made it through the whole game and just kind of coasted, took very, very little damage, never really did anything stupid. Then gets to that last boss and the first form, the, the floating guy with all the fireballs like he had no problem with that made it look really easy gets to the next one i'm like man he is getting his ass kicked (laughs) yeah yeah those those falling rocks there is in a game where pretty much everything's pattern recognition those falling rocks are completely random you can't (laughs) i i have no idea like i said without without those health upgrades and without those um without taking the time to get the amulets that reduce damage those those rocks just beat you to death in that fight. Oh man! So is it completely random then? Like there's no the, there's no pattern at all. Like it's different each time. Like if you die, then they they fall in different places. Then as as far as I can tell, the the boss himself follows a pattern. He's kind of got like a walk back and forth, and then he's got a weapon that kind of shoots these uh, crescent shaped laser beam type things out. Mm. And. <laughs> And to make matters worse, his weak spot is the top of his head, and oh, he's super and he's super tall, which is why you need that jumping downward slash because uh-huh. it's the only real effective way to hit him. Oh man! But because the the hitbox on that jump slash, you know, it's it's not tiny, but it's not huge. You have to be right up on him, right in front of him, and if you're trying to stay back to dodge the rocks, you can't hit him. Okay, so you so really you, have to get in there. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty much the the best strategy I've ever found of the game is get every single upgrade, beat every single training level, and then just literally stand in front of him and just take every hit from the rocks and just make no attempt to avoid them whatsoever and just keep oh, jumping them and beat him as fast as you can. Oh, man. Hmm. I have to try that. So was this game part of a franchise at all, or was this kind of a one and done? As far as I can tell, it's a one and done. Yeah, it was a one and done. And the sad thing is, once again, because it, I do believe it was pretty, ex- it was exclusive to the master yeah. system. It kind of got lost. Like <laughs> whenever people talk about these classic side scroller, and I would call it like what a pseudo RPG, because it's not. I would say like a hack and slash with RPG elements, maybe. Yeah. 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 And uh, it just, you know, you, you bring it up and people are like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And you're like, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, it's too bad because, um, you know, a lot of the most of the Master System games that have been re-released are your, you know, your Alex Kids and Fantasy Star and stuff like that. But, I mean, you're exactly right. I mean, Ken Seiden just kind of got lost in the shuffle of time. And it's really damn good. It's never been released on virtual console that I can tell. No, I did a little bit of digging to try to find if it had, and I don't think there was ever anything else. Yeah. Yeah, It. It. the closest I could say is, like... Um, you know, like Revenge of Shinobi and Shadow Dancer and stuff like that would sort of be like kind of spiritual successors, but not really, though. I mean, I don't know. This would have been great to see on the Genesis, though. Maybe like a, you know, a souped up sequel with better graphics and sound. And I mean, the gameplay is already really good. So, yeah. So, Wes, what were you talking about? The, you know, the Master System and its its life now? Like, oh, yeah, yeah. So, um, interestingly, with, um, the master system here, you know, it wasn't really all that popular because uh, at the time Sega had had licensed it out to Tonka for marketing and distribution and stuff like that. And Tonka had no idea what they were doing. Uh, they'd never distributed a video game system before. You know, their big thing was toy trucks. So, you know, we didn't really see the master system really take off here in the United States. However, in um, Brazil and Europe, um, parts of South America too, I think, but uh, the master system was significantly more popular than the NES down there. And so what was interesting is you found that 
after the Genesis launch, there were still games coming out for the Master System. You would get 8-bit ports of 16-bit games. Uh, a lot of the Sonic games, uh, Michael Jackson's Moonwalker, and like different stuff like that that, that we never got here. But then um, I want to say, I think uh, in Brazil, I want to say they, the Master System was marketed by a company called Tectoy. And then they redesigned it and lowered the price to like 40 or 50 bucks or something like that. And it was around into the late 90s, maybe even the early 2000s, I want to say. So um, i trying to think what the last system game would have been for it. But I don't know. Either way, it's interesting that, um, you know, it from what we thought was just a kind of a one and done system here had actually gone on significantly longer than almost two generations and at that point the eight the 16-bit era uh, yeah that is very interesting i had absolutely no idea but yeah kind of looking at even just skimming a wikipedia article as you're talking like it's yeah. definitely saying that you know it's still very popular in brazil and i'll have to post a link that uh, there's an article on i think it's atlas obscura but uh the headline is brazil is an alternate video game universe where sega beat nintendo Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of goes into a lot of the um, the sales figures and stuff like that. Uh, it's just fascinating because it's so bizarre. If, if only there was another alternate universe where, like, in South Africa, the Dreamcast got the love it deserved. Right? <laughs> Poor Dreamcast. Well, at least Shenmue finally got re-released. So, I mean, that's a plus. But... Yeah, I mean, this is saying worldwide, the Master System sold 13 million copies as of 2009 which does not include recent Brazil figures. Mm. And then later it says Brazil has sold 8 million copies as of 2016. So, I mm-hmm. mean, that's almost, I mean, well, not quite, but I mean, like, yeah. So, I mean, that's two thirds of yeah. the worldwide sales <laughs> just uh-huh. in Brazil. Yeah. And I think um, one of the last games they got, I think was an eight bit port of Mortal Kombat three. Wow. Which, yeah, it was totally crazy. I mean, at yeah, the time, yeah. that was like tail end of the um, Super NES Genesis era for us. Yeah, seriously, that was very late. And even was, at least that explains that because I I do know every once in a while I'll go back and find like an unreleased ROM or something of a old Master System game I haven't played in a while, and you'll be looking at the list, and I know you would see crazy things like that that it'd be like Mortal Kombat three, and you'd be like, that right, can't be right, <laughs> right. You think it's like a bootleg or something, but no, it's yeah. legit. It's totally legit. One of those weird ROM hacks where it's like, look, Mario's on Sega. It's like, no, he isn't. <laughs> no, and actually, if you look up, um, uh, check out the, I think it, the 8-bit version of Sonic the Hedgehog is actually, I kind of prefer it to the Genesis version because it's almost a completely different game, hmm. you know, where it's not focused so much on, you know, speed and running, but it's more of a traditional platformer almost. So completely huh. different game. Yeah, I was going to say, because you wouldn't think that the Master System would be able to render fast enough to... No, no. No, no blast processing. Mm-mm. But you know what's weird, though, is the Master System could display more colors on screen than the NES could. So that's why like some of the games tend to look a little bit better, like, or at least sharper, I guess. But even still, from the games I've played on the Master System, like they don't sound as good as NES games, but I think some of them look better, or at least they have a little bit more detail in like the character designs and um, some of the background details. Well, and it also makes sense then because the, you know one of the few pieces of information or trivia that I did know about the Master System was that the Game Gear was almost designed as like a portable Master System. Like, yeah, it, it uses the same guts, basically. Be right. So, I mean, that kind of makes sense because I remember around the time that the Game Gear was out and really popular you'd see, you know, friends who were playing, you know, say Mortal Kombat on Game Gear. And mm-hmm. it's like, well, that kind of looks even better than the NES does, which doesn't, you wouldn't think that because it's a portable system. But I mean, if you're basically walking around with a handheld master system, it's like, okay, well, now I understand. Well, in fact, you could because there was a uh, an official peripheral that was called the Master Gear Converter. And it was a uh, adapter that attached to the back of your Game Gear, and you could plug your Master System cartridges into it. Nice. Wonder how much that goes for these days. Uh, I don't know. I haven't seen one for a long time. But you could also get the um, the power base converter for the Genesis, which would attach to the top of the system. That would allow you to play uh, Master System games as well, because they they ran on it was the same hardware. So when they designed the Genesis, they 
use the same chips that they had from the master system in the Genesis. So it was completely backwards compatible. Hmm. In fact, if you look at like the first couple issues of Sega Visions when they were um, when they first started selling the Genesis, when it had Altered Beast packed into it, um, if you sent in your like UPC and like from the system and like two games or whatever, uh, they would send you either your choice of like uh, one free Genesis game or two Master System games, and then you could get the power base converter for like twenty dollars. Hmm. So in a way, it was kind of interesting because, you know, now you look at so many systems, how, you know, half of them aren't backwards compatible anymore, you know, because they want you to buy the remastered version of whatever game's coming out. But then look back at like Sega at the time, who, you know, didn't quite have a lot of market share there, but at least they were respectful enough of the audience to kind of say, you know, yeah, I understand if you bought the previous system, you don't have to throw away all your games because, you know, here's an adapter that will allow you to play them on the new system. Yeah, which is which is good. I yeah, appreciate that. Looks like the converter is anywhere from like fifty to seventy bucks on Amazon. Okay, okay. I all, all I can imagine is that the thing I remember most about Game Gear, besides the fact that I played Chicon the Forever Man, like oh, more yeah. than anything on the planet, was man that battery life sucked, and it had like six batteries. In it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, trust me, I had an Atari Lynx, so I. I know exactly about shitty battery life. That yeah, I actually, could, I considered picking up a Game Gear not that long ago, and I was just like, you know, batteries are expensive these days. <laughs> right, you better be buying some rechargeables. Yeah, and I don't know if I have a rechargeable dock that can hold six AAAs. <laughs> you can just get a modded one. There's people that have modded uh, Game Gears with uh, lithium-ion battery packs and uh, LCD screen mods. Nice. I said I said triple A. I meant double A. But um, yeah. Speaking of the rechargeable things, I was at uh, the Mega Replay here the other day, and they had one of the rechargeable battery packs for the original Game Boy. Oh yeah, yeah. Like the actual Nintendo brand one. Uh-huh. And I'm like, I I just looked at the guy selling it, and I'm like, really? He goes, Yeah, one of the new guys brought that in. There's no way that works. <laughs> <laughs> It would probably explode as soon as you plug it in. <laughs> what, <laughs> what's that for? Completion. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, what are you selling it for? He's like, like five bucks if you want it. <laughs> right? That's funny. Yeah. All right. Well, um, yeah, I think that was this was fun. Uh, Ken Seiden, you know, not not something I had a lot of experience with, but um, definitely a game that's up my alley. It's one I, I will come back to and give it the attention it deserves. Yeah, I dig this game. I mean, I... I can sit down and play it for 20, 30 minutes and get my fill of it. It, it just, you know, to progress a little bit more and do a little bit better each time. I'm, I dig this game. It's definitely one of those games that uh, if, if you try to play it for long periods of time, you'll hit these walls where you get stuck at some spot in the game and it'll just, you know, make you con- throw the controller angry. Mm-hmm. You just got to walk away and give it a couple days, come back. You'll be better. Yep. <laughs> That's exactly it. Game therapy. Uh-huh. All right. Well, Noah, uh, do you have any final thoughts or last minute recommendations about this game? I assume you were going to recommend it. Uh, yeah, of course it's a recommend. Uh, one one last funny tidbit about the game. And that is the name. Uh, Ken Seiden actually is like uh, a literal translation. If you just take it straight from kanji, <laughs> just means something crazy like hero sword legend. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. And I guess the translations have like varied over the years. It's like legend of the hero sword or the legendary sword, things like that. But it's, it's really just shouting a bunch of <laughs> random words. at you. <laughs> so you're saying if I was a, like a pop star and I wanted to get a tattoo uh, that I could just get Ken Seiden and just tattooed on me, but not in kanji, but just in like English. That would be that a would... very wise decision, Wes. Yes. Yeah. That, is, that is exactly That's what exactly. he is saying. Yes. What right. 100%. Perfect. I'll start a GoFundMe right now. <laughs> I'll pitch in five bucks for that. Five bucks. All right, I'm halfway there. It's like <laughs> if we reach one thousand uh, followers on Facebook, Wes will get a tattoo of Kinsiden. Right. Yeah, I, j- I just want you to get the uh, hideous snake monster tattoo. Ooh. Right. Or the, child uh, scarer. Yeah. Right. Child scarer. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to get a face tattoo of the child scarer, Wes. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's just an instant call to the FBI, like whatever <laughs> tattoo shop you go to, and just, you know, a thousand listeners. Let's make this happen. Come on. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's classic. So, 
All right, Noah. Well, um, thanks for joining us. I think this has been yeah, a, a well, fun little discovery. And I, I think the inaugural Sega Master System game for the uh, show. Been yeah, I think so. For two years now, and this is our first dip into the SMS world. Mm-hmm. The Master System needs more love. Yeah, well, you did a good job. You were gentle with us, and I, I think it was fine. Absolutely. It was fun being yeah. there. Yeah. Thank you. Anything you want to plug? I know that you're uh, involved in some other activities, so we'll we'll give you a minute here to to shill your other goods. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I'm part of the the Midnight Drive-In podcast. Uh, it's a show where we review movies. Uh, it's supposed to be mostly grindhouse movies, but really, I believe it's what whatever the hell we feel like <laughs> reviewing that week is pretty mm-hmm. much what we do. Uh, yeah, I, I mentioned to my wife the other day when. I was looking through Facebook and I said, Oh, they're, they're doing Dirk Tracy this week. And she said, I thought they did horror movies. And I'm like, no, they do drive-in movies. She's like, Dick Tracy's a drive-in movie. And I said, no, (laughs) it's close enough. (laughs) Surprise, surprise. Doug hated it. Strange. I I don't understand him sometimes. Shocking. Uh, I also have a super secret project that is gonna, gonna be heading out probably six months from now the episodes will start dropping i've already started recording it but it's kind of uh labor intensive because it involves a lot of interviewing and stuff Sweet. but that is going to be the dungeon master's journal which is kind of going to be an advice show for uh new newcomers to the world of running dungeons and dragons and uh, other rpgs interesting nice. nice any specific version or no no it's going to be genre hopping and probably jump to completely different games and stuff it's it's more about the the craft than the actual rules or anything like that okay okay very yeah, cool an, an interesting idea we'll look forward to that so yeah. um yeah anyway listeners who are interested in finding noah at midnight drive-in i know he's part of the geek nerdery family so you should all be familiar with that from our show but head over there and you can find all of their episodes and and whatnot uh it's a good show very entertaining um i preferred their old host but you know it is what it is. So. You're talking about Randy? <laughs> Pretty sure you're talking about Randy. Randy! Oh, <laughs> uh, all right. So there's been, a, like we said, a, a listener request and got a couple more listener requests we want to get to here in the near future. But, um, well, this if you only just took think... us a year or so. Sorry about that. Right. Has <laughs> so. it really been that long? I think so. I don't know. I I just remember at one point you said to me, I, I said, I think you said you guys should do Consignment. And I think that was either at a New Year's party or it was like two years ago. So sorry about that. <laughs> Sounds about right. Yeah. I'm did the conversation go faster? <laughs> did the conversation go something like this? It's like, hey, no, we're about to start a podcast about video games. Oh, really? That sounds cool. You should do Ken Seiden. <laughs> <laughs> 47 episodes later. <laughs> hey, didn't, didn't Noah say something? I don't know. <laughs> sounds like something he'd say. Yeah. <laughs> It's got the Homer um, Simpson brain there for some reason. I can't remember it. All right, Wes. Well, if any other listeners have requests and they just think that they want to be like Noah and be on the show or get their games talked about, how would they do that? Well, there's a couple of different options with that. So, of course, uh, we've got our Facebook group, graveyard.podcast. Uh, you can shoot us an email, graveyard.podcast at gmail.com. Uh, we're also out there on Twitter at DuckGraveyard, Instagram, graveyard.podcast. Um, you know, pretty much anywhere where podcasts are found, uh, we're there. So, uh, yeah, shoot us an email, send us a uh, message, or, you know, check out one of our groups. Um, we've got a Discord group that we occasionally look at. Um, it's just too much social media stuff to, to manage all the time. But, uh, yeah, any any nostalgia or thoughts or, you know, anything that you enjoyed, like, that's why we like doing the show and just kind of share those stories and uh, enjoy some retro games. So yeah, just uh, if you're a child scarer, just uh, stay away from the show. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. You're a harlot lizard. That's fine. But child scarer, <laughs> that's where we draw the line. I'm sorry. So I'm glad we have standards. <laughs> yeah. And don't even talk to me about the boar lizards. Goddamn. <laughs> All right. I think with that, I need to, um, I don't know, go to take a shower or something. <laughs> we'll be back in two weeks with another fun episode. Um, no idea what we're talking about yet, but stay tuned. We'll post it social media. But uh, until then, I'm Scott. And I'm Wes. And I'm Noah. And just remember, thou must practice here. Game.
over.